I'm Jason Ward from MakingStarWars.net, and uh, we we got a Ghosty Rob today, and we got Bespin Bu- Bulletino. Not Bespin Bulletin, Bespin Bulletino. He's he's Bull Italian. Bull in China Shop, Tino. Bull, Bull in China Shop. How's it going, guys? You guys, you guys, you guys ready? You guys ready to to get, come in trip all. You, you you liked Watchmen. Now look at that. Like, fucking man, motherfucker. Yeah. It's hard to be a fan of anything these days. You know what I mean? Like, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. To I do? mean, well, I guess, I mean, like, I, I'm going to say that when you, you know, I, I just read the article and uh, Bespin, thank you for a- annotating it. Bespin, like, let me know about it and went and annotated it for the show. And then, and then it came on. So that that's nice. But um, yeah, it's one of those things where I mean, when you get down to it, uh, the takeaway I guess from everything is uh, empathy. Fuck, right? I mean, that's kind of like what what you end up like yeah. walking away from this article. This is a book that's coming out uh, in a couple of days. I think June sixth. I think is what it was saying on yeah, on Am- yeah on, on on Amazon and um, it's called burn it down. Yeah, it's called burn it down. I took a screenshot of the title so I could buy it by Maureen. Amazon. Yeah, yeah, burn it down by by Maureen Ryan. Power, complicity, and a call for change in Hollywood. And uh, so this book is going to oh it the the is that was that a sample chapter on on Vanity Fair or was it just uh, so. an article? Okay, it's a a lot of it's about Lost, about the television show Lost that Damon Lindelof was. Um, uh, showrunner on you know in the what 2007 ish times in the 2007 times and um yeah it has a lot of you know really unfortunate sad fucked up things that happened i mean there were um characters of color on the show were pretty massively mistreated at the time the show was sort of like patting itself on the back all the time for its diversity excuse me and um inclusion and um it's you know it but the the problem that you end up having is that you sort of have it put through the the empathy of some white dudes who are are in charge and they don't see that they're not very sympathetic towards the concerns of the the actors like um what was it what was the guy's name the guy with the with the little boy on Lost, do you guys remember the Lost character's Wal- name? Walter and Michael, right? Walter and Michael, yeah, like like completely. And I remember at the time, like that arc was like was in the end very annoying. It was just like this, and and not even for from my perspective, which is just like a fucking white guy at the time in his mid twenties. I'm just like, why the fuck are they doing? Like, why what? Why is he? You know, why is he gone? And then Mr. Echo gets killed, and Mr. Echo wanted off. But at the time, I don't know this. I just think like, man, they, they really aren't really doing a great job with some of their characters on this show, you know? And it's uh, kind of obvious which ones they, they are when you look back at it, especially. Mm-hmm. But um, so, uh, yeah, so so we made some notes from it. Uh, Bespin made some notes from it. And um, the thing about it is we have this book being researched with Lindelof is a participant in the book. Which, which I, I'm gonna say, he, in the sam- sample chapter, he does not come off well. 
no. at the same time, he fucking showed up to the interview, which I don't know if that was the right answer. I mean, just from a career Hollywood perspective or not, but to me, I mean, I, w- I guess I want to give the guy uh, just that little bit of credit that he attempted to show up and participate in some kind of conversation about it. And I, I remember in, it was, was it like uh, 2020, 2020, 2021? He, he said some stuff like I, I fucked it up. Like I fucked up back then. Like it was, right. it was comments like of that variety, right? Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and you 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 reminded me of it, Rob, when I when I sent you the article earlier, and um, and it's like, you know, uh, it's it's weird because you don't want to go and justify the things that happened, that were wrong, and the people who were were wrong. And then, you know, but you're like, fuck, man. Like, you know, do you just like go like, oh, you know, he's the worst guy ever. He's bad. He's bad, bad. I, I don't know. I don't. But I guess at the same time, it's not really like my fucking place to absolve him. Right. I mean, like he didn't he didn't help me and he didn't hurt me. So it's not really like it doesn't really have anything to do. My opinion doesn't really have anything to do with it. But the question that we kind of have on the show and it's rhetorical, there is no answer is uh was is this why he was let go from his Star Wars project? Because as has been brought up, I mean this book is being researched, interviewed, the participants are are involved as he's starting Star Wars. I would- yeah. Yeah, and they also does mention in one of the descriptions that it'll look at problems at Lucasfilm as well. Um and obviously during the time that they were doing this as you mentioned he was at Luke Swim and Disney creating a new Star Wars project. So. Right. Right. And, and, and the Lucasfilm part of it is, is interesting to me because oh, not all, I mean, there, there's a lot of male managers. There's a lot and stuff like that, you know, and white managers as well. And people in power at Lucasfilm, but at the same time, more diverse than you would think usually with the people and especially on the creative side, and and um in in big roles, so I'm, I'm kind of like I wonder what that is. You know, that's where I'm like, hmm. Well, it could just be like on like TV productions. Like we know of one instance yeah. which did not go well. Like you know, so that's true. Yeah, this like, last we, year of Mando and Skeleton Crew was yeah clusterfuck. Like, yeah, we we knew a loss like on, on yeah. that stuff. Um, so yeah, and obviously like Snyder got wind of it then like months later like. So it could just be something as as simple as that. Like it's just a TV show that had issues, like yeah. behind the scenes. Um, so yeah, like obviously we don't say a lot of we don't say everything that we feared, you know. For no, no. I mean, the, I think I mean I think you and I have a similar philosophy on that. That it's if it, if it's gonna help, we will will yeah share if we think we could help or if they're asking us for help. Yeah, because um, at the point when like we did the skeleton crew thing, like people came to me with it. I was I told you I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. And then like you were like, Yeah, I feared this now as well. And you decided to do an article like purely on it. Because I was like, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Anyway. Like but you took the range like, Yeah, I feared it as well. I'm gonna just do an article and shine the light, which those people were grateful for that we did. Right. Shine the light and having their voices heard. Which, you know, the people who worked on Lost all these years later, they are grateful that somebody's taken the time to you know, take their opinions and their feelings into consideration and out like the problems that were there during the time. 
Yeah, and th- that's what's kind of or that's what's interesting about today versus then. I mean, back then, um, my I was saying stupid stuff on the internet. James Gunn was saying stupid stuff on the on the internet, but at the I, I same time, that. you weren't um because you're lazy just too lazy um and i'm kidding um and um (laughs) no 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 no. oh yeah oh i saw i saw what stupid people were saying on the internet this guy fucking curves while over here seeing the future um yeah yeah, i'm pretty good at it you 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 hate you hate to admit it but i i I get pretty close (laughs) yeah well uh but but um you know point I guess where was I going with that? Uh, well, basically, I was just just going into it to the the thing that yeah, back then, uh, people weren't as educated as they are today. But at the same time, you're like, how do you justify it? You know, I mean, how, at what level do you do you go? Oh, that old racist is just ignorant, you know, and give him a cookie. You don't want to do that. I so I don't know what the fucking like like answer to any of this stuff is, but. Um, there may be a through line and it, I mean, when you get down to it, Carlton, is it Carlton Hughes and Lindelof are in this book, uh, in this part, we don't know if Abrams is in this part, but it's talking about power in Hollywood and is very powerful and was at Lucasfilm as well. So there is a chance that some of the shit, you know, I mean, look at the Finn situation to some extent, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't think like based off of the story development that I saw on the last Jedi, I don't think Ryan Johnson's a racist. I don't no. Um, but could Ryan Did Ryan Johnson make some choices for, for Finn that maybe weren't the most sensitive? I think you could make an argument for it. I've seen people try to cancel Ryan Johnson over it on Twitter. And uh, you know what I mean? But it's like, the, oh yeah! What? What? Here, wait, hold on. Here's, here's what I was going to say: was back then in 2007, the internet wasn't as prominent, and they didn't have as big of a voice to necessarily get out exactly what was wrong. The some of the actors were able to, but like the writers really didn't have it. Today, they there's almost instant feedback to it, or there could be, but the stop, the stop on it is the NDAs. That's what stops it. So that's what makes the situation from 2007 to today the same because the people who spoke to me and Bespin were breaking NDAs just by having communication with us, you know, but sorry, go on. Sorry. I just had, I finally got, got back to where I was going. Right. But I mean, to get back to like, like there's an appropriate time to throw up arms about something and then there's bullshit. Like the Mm -hmm. bullshit ones, I'll give you an example about like, uh, ABC put out that Muppet show back in 2015. This is mean. This is mean Muppets. It's mean. We don't like it. Okay. Watch it. It's fucking just fine. Like, you guys are nuts. It's actually Muppets that with humor, you know? It's edgy, yeah. but it's edgy in the way the Muppets were in the 70s before okay. the Rainbow Connection song, right? Before the, before, Connection song. Be, before Disney? Uh, well, before, hence, that Rainbow Connection song. He won, like, a great. They won a Grammy for that shit. You know, okay. You know, like, whatever. So, that... That sort of chained, but before that, the Muppets were fucking way more rebel. I mean, it was yeah. called Sex and Violence, the first pilot of the Muppets. You know, like you guys are, you know. Yeah. So now you get like the show, like The Electric Mayhem, which has some fun Muppet humor, but is largely a Hallmark fucking movie. 
you uh, know it's ridiculous it's the humans are so i'm like gotta be careful what you complain about when you got people on a tv show putting white people only signs in front of the fucking bathrooms that's what yeah. you get up at arms about you know yeah. I mean? like there's no that's not that's not hazing that's not college bullshit this just that this that wasn't appropriate when i was born let alone fucking yeah in the you know 2007 is ridiculous right you know right so the but the finn thing i mean we can go this over and over i just felt like the end of the day man very few people in hollywood know how to write military characters very mm-hmm. few even the ones making military movies you know like i've seen military movies where i'm like that is ridiculous and it's not even the realism it's just like what are they they're not they're not able to capture the mindset of even the yeah. basic you know grunt level dude so it's like ryan johnson ain't a military guy i think we can all agree yeah. upon that tony yeah. gilroy probably would have been a much better fit for that scenario you know yeah yeah that, that's yeah. why yeah because he's studied revolution so he's more about yeah you know, i would say maybe an expert in the, the informal military in that and way that but... treadstone stuff that he'd been dealing with in the Bourne movies is really dealing with anywhere mm. from nixon iran contra up to the fucking patriot act you know yeah like it's all that shit amalgamized together so Joel asked, um, before we get to the notes, could you please uh, please explain to me what in The Last Jedi was insensitive to Finn? Finn was my favorite arc of the film, from wanting to run away with Rey to not being able to sacrifice his life. Yeah, no, so Joel, I, I, this isn't a perspective that I personally hold, but the, the, the idea like, licensees and i think to some extent even john boyega at a certain point believed he was gonna be a jedi that he was going to be this like that he was going to be a really important uh character in the future of star wars and then what he became in a lot of ways was the comic relief and there's an Which argument that giant sore spot for black act for yes. the black community in general all right the, right they really feel like, you know, you got a guy like Richard Pryor who has really edgy stand up, but when he ends up in a movie like The Toy, he's doing step and fetch it fucking type humor, you know, large. I mean, with sped up frames and shit like that, you know? Yeah. And don't take my word for it. Like, Double Toasted did a good review on The Toy recently. And I love Richard Donner. Mm. There's some funny shit in that movie in a way, but like, that's the problem. Well, They've, the, you know, the, the, that, the, that was the, the argument that was felt in that film, especially. Given that, you know, there was that real racist online backlash with Finn being the in the first frame of the Force Awakens trailer, dude. Right? When I when when I I broke the story that Finn was the stormtrooper, and I got racist emails sent to me over that shit. They're like, stormtroopers aren't black. You're fucking stupid, and just like going crazy you know what i mean and then it they would just kind of i just ended up blocking those people but they yeah it, it escalated it, it it's definitely there definitely was a thing and it's it's definitely real and um but you know finn what uh became throughout that story you know up i i don't blame ryan johnson like i said because at the end of that movie at the end of the force awakens the lightsaber flies into ray's hand they literally decided in the previous film that that was not his path. That's what that moment says. And, um, you know, two lightsabers didn't fly into each of their hands. It flew into Ray's hand. 
And he was the one who got beat up by Kylo Ren because he didn't have the force. And, and I think JJ kind of realized what he had done. And then that's why he sort of on, on did it in his, in episode nine, even in episode nine though, he didn't actually give Finn much of a storyline. No. Running around saying, Oh, I have a feeling and trying to tell Ray that he has the force. Yeah. And like, and like I said before, I said he was in love with her. And then it became the force. So it's it's an afterthought after an afterthought. It, yeah. yeah, like like uh, I, I I don't think. And for the record, I don't think Finn is the most misused, misaligned, like fucked up character that's ever been created or anything like that. I see Finn as completely still salvageable character with 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 more work in future films. And and it could all be it could all be fine if Lucasfilm does the heavy lifting to make it fine and john boyga wants to come back and play finn and uh which i think he would um but anyways but that's there's there's an argument out there and the version i just gave you is i i'm gonna say the most sanitized reasonable aspects of it it goes pretty fucking batshit the people who who are trying to cancel ryan johnson over and have tried they're they're just fucking lunatics so i i don't want to put too much of a spotlight on the idiots and make it sound like it's like it's that vi- you know vital to the conversation so burn it down and here's a, a description of the book promises to shed light on the problematic companies such as lucasfilm and then and then so we have some segments um below are segments relating to lost including its showrunner damon lindelof burn it down will release on june 6 2023 so it says, most people I've spoken to for this book are veterans of film and television productions where off-color humor, barbed banter, and incisive, even stinging comments are common. None have a real problem with those things in the right setting and proportions. In fact, humor is not just a form of creativity. It can serve as a necessary pressure relief valve. And a large percentage of people in the industry when they go too far, apologize and alter their behavior. So I, I thought, I thought that was a, a really kind of maybe one of the most powerful um, paragraphs in that Vanity Fair story. It's I think the thesis of the book is likely there, mm-hmm. and it's that it what you have is you have almost like a fraternity like setting where a couple of people, the writers sit around and come up with ideas, tell jokes. And we all know, I mean, if you tell jokes, some of your jokes won't land. It happens to me every day on this fucking show. And it's like, it's it's, (laughs) you, you know, (laughs) you, Jason, you read our comments. You know who they complain about on this show, Jason. (laughs) Bespin. And it's Costanza yeah, jacket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but no, they AF's thrown at me in the last two years, and you know that's what I like. So that's why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> you're my human shield. <laughs> um, but yeah, but no, but I mean, but but you know, like like it says. But here's the the whole thing is like yeah, like like you tell jokes sometimes, and sometimes you could tell you could like you you could tell a joke to somebody. And then do the same joke, the same exact style of joke. And on that day, it doesn't land. And they're having, it's just the wrong thing to do. But that's also like why you just kind of 
that's why you need to you know self-edit well that's why that's, that's also why stand-up comedians go on tour for like a year all over the country mm-hmm. to see how shit plays everywhere yeah they, they, they play like, they play small clubs and they they test out the stuff to see what's landing and what's not and all and over the who. country because you can't yeah. trust just la or new york or atlanta or montana you know you gotta go all them places but but the but the last part is when they go too far they apologize and alter their behavior and so i i i'm curious if that line is what goes into the lucasfilm side of things here and accept genuine responsibility it's not enough to say sorry yeah you know st- i'll start making the jokes then yeah like sorry not- you're not <laughs> fun bro <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you can't have a good time, so we'll all fucking not have a good time now. If everyone thinks so we're not having a good time. Like, yeah, you know, that's not what we're talking about. I want to say too, this was the exact time I was working at this t-shirt company called Mad Engine, right? Right. And the owner of this company's dead now and he sold the company, so it doesn't matter who's running. I killed him. Not I killed place. him. But the guy running at the time who founded the company is from South Africa and I bring it up because the motherfucker was an apartheid like mm. like supporter you know what I mean like right. he was really abrasive when I say abrasive he'd walk in throwing shit and yelling fuck you and just this big fat dude too with the big uterus sticking out of his fucking guy I mean wait, really fucking uter- mean. wait say so he had a uterus yeah yeah like sticking out of him and shit I, I'm like being a, mean like because a- he was a real fucking he made he made girls cry yeah, I made the females and the, the women in the art department fucking cry. And I, was, I, I, I guess, I guess if they can't handle it, maybe they shouldn't be there. He, oh, oh, no, oh, no, Jason, no, no. I'm kidding. No, I'm. So I he, know. I, no, he came I'm, at me one day. This motherfucker. I had done some designs for a package, mm-hmm. and everyone loved him. But then the Sears rep was like, "I don't feel comfortable putting this on the shelf." And it, it was like, it was like eight, like cartoony looking eight balls in like rattlesnakes for kids like tattoo art you know what i mean like ed hardy like childlike ed hardy right and they were all fucking this motherfucker comes this motherfucker he's gonna fucking ruin my company for fuck and i'm like who is this i'm gonna fucking beat this guy in with the fuck my guy was like i don't i wouldn't yeah. let my my man dude drill stars don't talk to people just fuck fuck you i'll fucking kill this but and my my art director was like hey come to side he was an ex-marine he's like he gets like this blah 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 and I'm like, oh, I gotta get out of this company. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like I got out of that company within a year. You know, like as soon as I had another opportunity, I ran. Our director ran. Everyone ran. But like, and I do had to like learn after everyone left to not be that way. But like, even like we all eventually went back to that company, and he wasn't that way. But we were all waiting for it. Like, even if you like make amends and you change, you don't always trust those people ever again. You yeah. know what I mean? It's hard to trust. Well, when right? when when leadership falters, it is hard for the people who have to like follow it to to get to 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 trust it and 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 for it not to be questioned for like a really really long time. Like once it's it's broken, which sounds like I'm um, lost in that that crew. Uh, I don't think they ever got. It doesn't sound like they ever got it back, right? They just kind of just sort of. I'm still mad about you're it. Fu- <laughs> you are, yeah. You're still mad. That about dude's it. dead and in the grave, and I'm like, fuck that motherfucker. You know, he yeah. was a good guy. He wasn't good to me. He didn't do me anything. And he made fucking look, man. When you make people cry, guy or girl, I don't care who that. When you're making someone cry, yeah, that's when I'm like, oh, hold the fuck up. Who the fuck are you? Yeah, you know, I feel bad. Like, 
when I made like I mean I've made people that have been in relationships with cry and I never let myself forget it. Like what what, what was wrong with me that day? Yeah. You know? I can't imagine doing this to people like people trying to earn a living. It's not a fucking you know what I mean? Right. You're trying to like pay rent and whatever else you got going on maybe you need health care and shit and then you're stuck with these fucking lunatics one, who think one, like one time one time though rob i was with this girl and um i would just be like sleeping because like i i like to get up in the morning and it would be like an hour or 45 minutes after she woke up and then she would just like be crying and i was like whoa, whoa what's going on what, what, what the fuck what, what's wrong and she'd be like you know because i was still sleeping and i was like this is crazy i got out of there yeah, sorry, but that happened too. <laughs> you Go. have like, you really are this Seinfeld to, to, to his drawing. No, every girlfriend has one little fucking problem, right? Like, yeah, one that's a fucking issue. Like, <laughs> that one's a big one, though. You're just like sleeping. It's like, what? You know what I mean? Why? Why are you crying? <laughs> They're all big to Jerry. You know. <laughs> All yeah. those problems are big. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big one. You ever notice how she breathes? She just breathes. Like, like, yeah. She okay. Breathes. So so early on, this is back to the book, when JJ Abrams and other writers and producers wanna, on the creative team bring gave, it up. What? You wanna bring up the book? You're gonna read the book or bring it up? Uh I could bring up the uh, the uh, text. Yeah, I could bring it up right. if you, I if, you want to see it. If, if it helps, I could do it. Yeah. Um, early on, uh, we, we had to put the text in here because Vanity Fair sometimes locks you out, you know. Um, early on, when J.J. Abrams and other writers and producers on the creative team gave Harold um, Perrineau the full court press in hopes of convincing him to join the cast, he had been in two Matrix films and Romeo and Juliet. He also played a key role in TV, TV's Brave New Golden Age. He was part of the ensemble of HBO's provocative prison saga Oz. He's a great actor. Lost was not going to be as edgy as shows like Oz, but securing um, Pernu was, as they say in the industry, a big get. Harold had one of the biggest careers of all of us when Lost began, noted Daniel Day Kim, another member of the cast. He was He's a very talented actor, and I thought his work was some of the best of the show. Part of the reason Pernu... Yeah. That that actor and the actress, the the two Asian uh, actors, and in, in that they did the test footage for uh, Avatar because it was out in Hawaii at the time around two thousand five. Oh really? So they were doing the with, Sully with uh, Cameron, the uh, Nate Terry roles. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Am, am I saying his his, his name right? Paranu? I I don't know. But part of the reason Paranu took a a chance on the ABC drama was because the creative team said. They wanted to tell a story that was really equitable in terms of the time it spent on its array of characters. He'd been around long enough to know, as he put it, where the lines were and what the ceiling was for black actors, but was encouraged by what he was told. We were all really hopeful about it, Perrineau remembered. It was it was a bigger try than I had ever been on. It was a bigger try than I'd ever seen on broadcast TV. When he talked to the press in those early days, his enthusiasm was palpable. I was shouting about it from the rooftops, he said. I was such a believer. As the 25-episode first season progressed, Pernu noticed that a few of his castmates got the majority of the storytelling attention. It became pretty clear that I was just a black guy. Daniel Day Kim was the Asian guy. And then you had Jack and Kate and Sawyer. 
all of whom got a good deal of screen time, as did Terry O'Quinn's lock. They fucking landowed him. Um, indeed, a, and maybe finned him. Uh, indeed, a writer I spoke to um, who worked on Lost during the middle of its run said that the writing staff was told repeatedly who the hero, who were the hero characters, were, were the white cast members, Locke, Jack, Kate, and Sawyer. When, when asked about stories featuring people of color in the cast, writers who spoke were told, nobody cares about the other these other characters, just give them a few scenes on another beach. By the so, way, this yeah. is something that wasn't just being towed by maybe abc disney this is something that like i was experiencing even from like marvel and walmart and everything else so like at that time when i wanted to do it i did an avenger shirt before the right. movies came out right right and people are like why are you doing that no one cares all right well you put them on there fucking you put one theme you put black widow on her one girl character one woman character they'll yeah. be like no guy's gonna buy that take it off the shirt even after the avengers movie came out they were like you replace a uh, Black Widow with Wolverine. Yeah, you I remember know? you telling me about that before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you're like, no guys. I'm like, dude, all you do is sell Corona bottles with fucking chicks on it at Walmart. You know what I mean? Like, you've been selling yeah. them T-shirts forever. So th what are you talking about? You just don't want it. Like, the, right. the whatever CEOs, like Perlmutter, whoever was in charge, they just didn't want it. So someone over at ABC was like, we want these people to be the face of our channel. Maybe because they said... And look, and I've heard this at the time it was told to me, Walmart, they used to call them Walmart moms. We probably call them Karens now, mm -hmm. right? But they would say Walmart, even Target. They're Walmart moms, like very clever. Um, but uh, maybe they felt that their demographic at the time was primarily white females. So they're like, we need people they can relate to, you know? Like, I mean, right. this is the channel that was known for TGIF, just not but several years, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, for the longest yeah. time. So, you know? Yeah, that, that's that's what's that's what's kind of um, about the article, though, um, is it doesn't ever pass it over to the uh, either to their credit or because they just couldn't. They don't ever they don't ever put that on um, executives. They the book doesn't I mean, maybe one of the shortcomings of the book as a critical piece is the fact that we don't really know what pressures Carlton Cuse and Linda Law were under to do those things at the same time. Um, it doesn't change the reality of it, I guess. Correct. So I'm not, so, so I wouldn't, so it's like one of those, you know, it's a difficult, uh, like I said, it's really difficult because, you know, I, I, I don't believe Damon Lindelof is burning crosses on people's lawns on the weekend. I don't think he's like, you know what I mean? Like that, that's like an insane idea. I think at the same time, you well, can be the a whole part, theme. you can be, yeah, you could be a part of an institute, a racist institution and not really uh, acknowledge it or take responsibility for it, for your part in it, I guess. But the, right? I wondered though about, cause the whole basic premise of the Watchmen series is that you have a, a, a lead black uh, character yeah. who's best friends she's a cop she's best friends with the sheriff who's a white guy right it's her best fucking friend mm -hmm. you know and then this dude ends up murdered she wants to figure out who killed him and then she finds a fucking clan outfit in this dude's closet yeah oh that's just for sex you see that's what I mean? different no but, i'm kidding I, I haven't seen it like, i haven't seen but it. that's what I, but i yeah. wonder though you know like 
like these like I wonder if there's a little I know like Alan Moore had talked about this as the the basis of Hooded Justice, who you find out a whole shit about Hooded Justice in that fucking series. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if there's a little bit of like, you know, not not like not like fucking Lindelof feels that way, but that hey, I even though I'm friends to, you know, I want to be friends to helping, you know, various minorities or, or people giving them a leg up, am I also secretly am i also inadvertently hurting as well i don't know you know what i mean i wonder if there's yeah. something a little you know like it's an extreme way to point it out in a story but yeah that's what makes the story interesting well, well la- yeah la- later on there's the kind of a thing about him like that in the back end where it's like i get i think i see how some of the things i did were actually the worst than what i was doing before by by trying to make it you know how he was trying to make it better was actually making it right. worse so that kind of relates but anyways uh Parenting pointed out that the storyline disparities to a lost producer on set in a fairly mild way. He told me, he said, I don't have to be the first. I don't have to be the most. I don't have to be in the most episodes, but I'd like to be in the mix. Parenting said he was told this is how audiences follow stories. And those, the white characters are relatable. Parenting had Uh, felt a similar frustration on photo shoots where actors of color were often asked to stand in the back row or at the edges of the frame. In an early version of season two's episode two script, he recalled that Michael asking Sawyer questions about his past, about how he feels, but he never again mentions Walt. Perenu's reaction was, I don't think I can do that. I can't be another person who doesn't care about missing black boys, even in the context of fiction, right? So, yeah. This is just furthering the narrative that nobody cares about black boys, even black fathers. And like, and then that that's, I, I think like hits on a really kind of uh, heavy and interesting, like kind of thing going on here when you look at it, because what he's saying is something that is essentially a media issue. That was, that's still a problem today. I mean, we still see, you know, look at the last couple of years, who is is you know killed for wearing a hoodie and shit like that and what happens and how it's oftentimes overlooked only recently that we kind of said no nah, we're not going to be cool with this anymore you know but but it's still like the reality of uh, of the United States and maybe some other parts of the world too or a lot of the, a lot of other parts of the world and uh so right here he's saying I don't want to play into it but you have people like Linda Loft and Cuse who at the end of the day are white showrunners that are that think they're the uh, default that white is default the audience is white that that is the uh, default that's who we relate to that's everything else is to serve us that and it is a racist idea it is a very racist idea and i think that it like um people of uh that generation um, it's a thing that 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 is that is felt. I mean, I I feel like in my generation, our generation, Rob, we were the ones who started to go like, that's not the default. That's there is no default, you know. Well, and what, yeah, what what helped what helped my you know. So I had two two key things that affected my childhood. One, <clears throat> my father was a man of color, right, and he wasn't my biological yeah. father, but he's. He was he he met my mom about the time I was a year into my birth, so he's all, the only guy I ever knew, you know. Yeah. So my dad did not look like fucking Alan Thick, right? Mm-hmm. Like my dad looked like Richard Pryor. So okay. like, 
Seriously? You know, like, so, huh? Yeah, he had the same fro and mustache and stuff, you know? Maybe that's say awesome. He, made, he looked more like Richard Pryor than, than that, you know? Like, yeah. A little bit more of a sharper nose, right? But did he, but like that, he had a big fro. Did, he, did he ever light himself so, on fire smoking crack? Huh? No, I'm kidding. You know what? Nobody <laughs> fell through the roof, and I'll never huh? stop laughing about it. It's the best. <laughs> tell that story Honestly, it makes me laugh. I, I want it to be the last thing I think about as I slip off into the void. But uh, <laughs> I can never not be happy about it. But um, the other thing was when he got he and my mom divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to live. We my my father they he moved us into like the rural rural part of San Diego because he grew up in a, in a mountain town. But right. my mom, we had to go someplace where it was affordable. So like we moved into the inner city. And so then mm-hmm. I started having my teachers were black, my my uh, Ms. Dixon, my my schoolmates were Hispanic, you know, a couple black right. students, you know, more diverse. Still, it's white San Diego, but way more diverse than what I've been accustomed to. So like every morning we'd sing Whitney Houston right before the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, like I believe the children are the future, right? The, the one that they sing in Coming to America, which blew my mind because I'd been singing that for three years, you know, like in yeah. that, that movie. I'm like, this is true. But like. You can't be aware of things if they aren't in front of your face. So it's mm-hmm. like you gotta like it's why it helps when you have to have a diverse room. If you're gonna have a diverse cast, you need to have a diverse room because you can't anticipate certain, you know, stereotypes or certain you know tropes or certain you know certain issues, certain wants, whatever. If if you've never you know experienced what? them, you know what? you're right. Them, you know, you're right. You know what, dude? Let's get rid of one more white person on this fucking thing because we're just gonna you know bespin get well, the fuck out of here bespin get the fuck out get the fuck out get the fuck out i might be back get the fuck out get the fuck out he's he's well really white thought he uh, no. <laughs> i thought they were uh, us, over there oh no i mean <laughs> all i know is we're balds and we stick together all right despite so sorry i'm not still, bald no 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 <laughs> that's why you're oh. you're the opposition on the panel that's why you're here Ah, I'm the opposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, but look, I mean, that's the 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 problem is is the inadvertent side effect of that is then you got people saying you could run into the problem where execs could go, well, that means we have to have this higher and that higher, and then you know what I mean. It gets into all sorts of fucking nonsense arguments about Mm -hmm. like diversity hires and bullshit like that and it's like well like, does that mean we have to put a white person on empire it's like that's not what we're talking about you know like yeah like it's just come on you know like like the problem is context and logic and understanding but we don't really yeah especially america man america doesn't deal well in nuances you know like yeah america. well and the, and that's that's like uh, that's one of the uh the uh, things ab- about about it is like I don't know. Like, like I said, like, like I think after reading the article that we're still digging into, I think L- Lindelof did some wrong things. He, he, he did some things that were, were pretty fucked up or participated in things that were fucked up at the same time. Like, you know, you, you, you can't, you can't just be like, Oh, I'm sorry. And was like, oh, okay, I'll forgotten and then move on at the same time. You do have to move on. Right. Because uh, like that's what's that's what's sort of like complicated about how we deal with this. Like you know what I mean? Like down to the James Gunn, just making jokes that were stu- super stupid and highly insensitive. I made stu- similar fucking stupid jokes before, 
And it's just like, you know, that define him? No, but in this instance, this is like people's jobs. This does this does define that that this well, makes I know. This I can tell you in our, right? Does that that make this different? Lifetime. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I think in our own lifetime, one of the ones that two I could think two of the words that we've learned to like not use is uh the M word, right? Midget, right? We don't use that. And mm -hmm. and Eric the actor was the one that sort of keyed me on on that, you know, like I grew up, man. I grew up with Doink the Clown. You know what I mean? So like, oh, we, don't, we, don't, dinks, we don't say we don't say know? Doink. We don't say Doink anymore. <laughs> yes, we do. We say Matt Bauer, but um, the R word. Jason, the R word. Talking about, but and the R word, right? Which is mm -hmm. the big one. Which you know. Which we, I'm not going to uh, lie. I I I don't like the 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 inference on that one. But man, that was a fun one, though. You know, not it. It sucks that it that it uh it meant what it meant. I don't know how like words like stupid are much better because my dad used I'll never forget like uh Bill Cosby had that stand up himself that was big on HBO for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. And my dad was watching that with me. I never liked Bill Cosby, right? I kinda like the Cosby show sometimes because like Lisa Bonet, you know. Like I could watch Lisa Bonet and I like the grandparents would come in, right? Or yeah. the stepkids, but I never liked Bill Cosby. Just for mm -hmm. whatever reason, I'm not telling you man. I knew something. I just didn't I love, like. I love Bill semester, Cosby. I loved him. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, when that little fat kid sat on his lap, remember that episode with Rudy? Like it, oh, man. that was so funny. Um, kind of like Picture Page. I'll give that one. But mm -hmm. but he he has this whole thing about like calling his kids stupid. Yeah. And then it, it's the joke, right? And he yeah. rails on that for a while. My dad looks at me. That's right. You don't be stupid. You're stupid. Like I'm like, you're yeah. right, dad. You and old Cosby taught me well, you know, that kind of shit. So I don't know how much better it is when you look at your kid and you just tell them they're fucking stupid. What's the difference between that and the R word at that point, right? It's yeah. The intention is to fucking tear someone down internally. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Right. It's, no, it's not good. It's not good. All right. Back to the article. Despite the risk, Perinu expresses concerns about the script of Lindelof and, and Cuse in a phone call. He told his bosses... If you're going to use me, let's work. I'm here to work. I'm good at my job, and I'll do anything you want, except be the black guy on your show. Weeks later, we got a revised script. The flashbacks were now about Michael's pre-island life. Paranu had only two days to shoot those scenes, as opposed to the several days devoted to the Sawyer flashbacks. I felt like suddenly they were mad at me, Paranu said because of his phone conversation with Linda Lofenkuse. A couple of weeks before shooting began the second season finale, Perinu said Cuse had told him his character would not be returning. Perinu had come up against one of the unspoken rules of the entertainment business. You don't question the dudes in charge. So by even by even saying what he would do, what he would was willing to do as an actor, the, their attitude was, no, you're, you're going to do whatever we say you fucking do. And if you won't do it, oh, you won't do it? Fine, you're fucking dead. Where we just killed you. Now you now you don't work for us. That's that's what happened there. And, that's uh, literally like one of the plots to Friends when Joey got became got on the the soap opera show. You mm -hmm. talk some shit about some writers and they killed his ass off in two seconds, you know. And that and that's why I don't support the show Friends either, you know, for that very reason. Look what that show did. <laughs> sure, that I'm sure I'm sure you're outraged. <laughs> um, yeah, go pick at NBC. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, 
and, and and I mean that's why like like but when you when you get down to it like like that right there what happened right there is what you see with uh like Finn the character of Finn in in the the uh, sequel trilogy though he wasn't John Boyga only felt obliged to say what he had to say until after it was over he didn't say it yeah, during I don't, the production. I, right right and i don't for, blame uh, him one bit for no i don't either he, he, he would have he might they would have killed him i mean like his I character would have died not him but. look i have less balls than him i wouldn't say look i have jason i in my own fucking career a couple things happened right one i didn't start getting anywhere with my career until i stopped mm -hmm. using my last name mm -hmm. my last name is duaneus like i'm not hispanic but i took my hispanic father's last name because yeah. the officials were made me rad, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gonna be honest with you. But I did love my dad, so I thought it was worth it. Yeah. But uh in comics and in in, in illustration, people don't I don't remember. You sketchcraft, boom, start getting gigs. And I think about that a lot, Jason. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, is it because they thought I was Latino and they didn't mm -hmm. want to work with Latinos? But you see a sketchcraft, I mean, you know, I got a little yeah. cartoon of a white rob on there, so you know, you got to wonder. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, I know for a fact in this past year, I got hit up by a company that was doing uh, funding games for for Latinos, basically. And I had to tell them, I said, look, I'm adopted. You know what I mean? But so, you know, I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, but they thought I might be Latino because they saw my last name. <clears throat> yeah. Know, on LinkedIn. I, I I, I worked with a with a with a, one of those racist types who's just like you know oh it's just us white guys in the room we could be ourselves kind kind of things oh, and he went and he wasn't like he wasn't like you know opening the door with a clan outfit in there or anything like that but he was just such a fucking idiot that he was more comfortable around white people because he didn't feel like he would fuck up you know what I mean like like and right. you're just like and you're just like you're such a fucking moron but yeah i mean that's that that's like but in that kind of that's what came to mind when you were talking about like your last name i could see that fuckhead seeing you know two two things and he sees duenas and he's just like oh this guy i might fucking make mad on single de mayo or something <laughs> fucking, well, you know what i mean and, and i mean and, oh i got yeah. some shit this past may 5th because i posted this quiznos commercial right and so uh -huh. that's it for Cinco de Mayo. Let's celebrate. And they were like, we're making fun of Cinco de Mayo. I'm like, no, my dad loved the fucking chili, the pepper bar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's in the yeah. Quiznos commercial. So we used to go to Quiznos. For, I got to explain every fucking thing to people. Right. You know, even growing up on the other side, it was like, if I didn't know, I don't know Spanish, man. I don't, I don't fucking speak any Dude, language. I, I lived in Germany I, for three years. I don't speak German, but hold on. Yeah. If I didn't speak, if when people find out my last name is Duenas and I don't speak Spanish, I get Latinos get mad at me. You know what yeah. I mean? For not not why don't you know Spanish? And it's like, man, fucking why don't you know how to draw? You know, like, I mean, like, like I took no, I take no interest in learning languages. I take interest yeah. in drawing. But whatever. No, nah, but I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of laughing about the idea of people um, trying to go after you over Cinco de Mayo. I know, I know. Like, like, like I mean, French Day. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like in in reality, yeah, they don't know what it is. It's like it would be like I mean, and when you really get down to it, um, I my city is is 
probably as brown as as it is white. And I and Cinco de Mayo, there are festivities that happen, but at the end of the day, um, it's it's like just like a, it's just the brown Irish day essentially. It's it's fucking it's it's an excuse to go drink St. Paddy's Day. Yeah, it's St. Like Paddy's, Paddy's Day for round people yeah. and 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 it's white people are like I like both. French military. You know, no no, no yeah, I, I like, know it's, and it's like having a fucking yeah. day. It's it's like hey, look man, I don't really celebrate Fourth of July because there's this wasn't Fourth of July for the slaves. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, like yeah. I don't really so I didn't know what Juneteenth was until like five years ago. So I'm not even gonna pretend yeah. like I fucking I knew Juneteenth. I don't I didn't know what Juneteenth was. That was yeah, but that. Me. But th- there is like there is that that side of the thing of I I got you I got you that like that does exist on like Twitter, you know, on yeah. the, with the yeah. with the with the old twatters. Um, I feel for, bad for anybody that has to go to yeah. work, especially, I mean not especially, but it's you know when you're in a high profile gig, it's like you finally make it, you you defeat the odds, right? That yeah. you can never make it. You're on fucking primetime television. It has to be at the time. The show of all time at the time. The biggest show at that time. Star Wars of television. Yeah, Yeah. not since MASH where we're getting that kind of fucking, like, reception. And, and like, you know, like, you feel like you're being manipulated into being whatever these people want you to be. And if you say one fucking thing, like, hey, you know, I don't really agree with this. Then it's like my whole career is over. Like, it's ridiculous, right? Right tragic yeah so for a number of law sources i talked to the creative highs that counterbalanced the hard parts of the job evaporated fast a wave of dismissals an industry veteran who had worked on mainstream 90s dramas like the adventures of briscoe county jr is that a drama um and nash bridges when lost co-creator david lindelof was starting out as a tv writer one of the first jobs was on the staff of Nash Bridges. There was drama behind the scene shortly, and it was dark and complicated. I talked to people across all six seasons, half of whom were people of color, and more than half of whom were, were women. Every person I spoke with is justifiably proud of the work they did on the drama, but by all accounts, they worked very hard on a job that could be quite grueling and scarring. All I wanted to do was write some really cool episodes of a cool show. That was an impossibility on that staff, said Monica Owusu Breen, who worked on Lost Third Season. Part of it was they didn't really like their characters of color. An actor on Lost who was there from the early days, who who the book is using the name Sloan to protect their identity, says that the cast had discussions about holding firm and asking for equal pay when salary negotiations with ABC Studios began, but that the United uh, that the United Front quickly crumbled with the highest tier of pay going solely to the white cast members. Sloan says that affected relationships, and that Cuse didn't think much of the actor and berated Sloan to the point of tears. And then so so I mean lost employee Gretchen added that in her experience under Lindelof and Cuse, the workplace grew more autocratic and uncomfortable. Those rule those ruling a workplace could be vindictive at will and was cemented into place. Lindelof and Cuse had the power to hire and fire no matter the reason, she noted, and they used it. And then that's where we start to kind of move into this other place where yeah, like basically somebody mentions like as it goes on, that's a little racist. And then they're like, oh, you're fired, you know? 
what 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 occurred at loss crossed or obliterated most lines. There was a uh, coterie of people who would find it very amusing if a comment or joke was offensive. One source told me everything was said with a sort of sarcastic. This whole thing is funny to me vibe. And also your discomfort is funny to me attitude. Multiple people said that the sensibility was a cover for bullying or inappropriate remarks of all kinds, as well as comments on race and gender that crossed lines. Laughing at and adding to that kind of commentary, said one, was how you got to be part of the group. That was the terms of belonging. And then that that's where you, you this runs into this this article, I think runs into a really like interesting place because it mentions how you know you are kind of in this like little fraternity and there is a little bit of that attitude that goes on but then almost hazing and bullying becomes a part of it and then there's a part where they say what is racism if not hazing and bullying that's sort of i would say almost the sub thesis of this of this piece and you're like and even you think about it it's kind of a good point you know but yeah. both yeah, well, that's why I, I primarily like mm-hmm. growing up i just never got along with dudes mm-hmm. i had yeah. very few friends because like guys will you know this guys will in my experience make like the it's one thing when you razz your friends but they would be that mean guy bully shit you know they would do that yeah. to people I just had that done to me since almost day one. So I was like, I'm never participating in that. Like, and you end up not, you don't make a lot of friends that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I was in the punk. I was, I was always the, like you from a different perspective of that same kind of thing. I, I don't want really anything to do with, with the uh, fraternities and the jocks and all of that stuff. That was never my, my, my show, you know, my scene. And, um, but yeah, that, that's what you end up having in most of these jobs and most of these scenarios, both showrunners tolerated it and even encouraged the overall atmosphere, but it's descent into a realm of many sources described very negative terms appear to arise from a couple of powerful factors, the sense of humor that Lindelof appeared to enjoy and the showrunner statuses as all powerful ent- entities. No one could cross. When Cuse arrived, the culture turned into old Hollywood, but an extreme version. I can only describe it as hazing. It was very much middle school and relentlessly cruel, and I've never heard that much racist commentary in one room in my career, Owusu Breen recalled. Here is a partial (laughs) rock... This is... Mm -hmm. Hold on. She didn't say she never heard it. This is like just the worst. The fact that she has to hear this shit all the time. Yeah. It's horrible, dude. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, I know. Here is a partial roster of statements sources heard while working at Lost. Their first were heard by Owusu Breen, as well as another um, individual I spoke to. When someone on staff was adapting an Asian child, one person said to another writer that no grandparent wants a slanty-eyed grandchild. Oh, yeah. fucking a! Yeah, that's that's like the edge lord going fucking off the rails um when actor um Adewale, uh, akunu abaje pictured was on the writer's room table was pictures on the writer's room table someone was told to remo- remove their nearby wallet before he steals it ouch when owosu brain 
and the others were riding in a van on a trip in answer to a question about the luggage. One writer using a Yiddish word said, let the Schwartz take it. I don't actually understand that one. But okay. Does he mean the, he's Jewish? Schwartz? Yeah, I think the Schwartz. I don't know. Maybe that does that mean is is that like is that like a Yiddish word for like a black person maybe or something? I don't know. I don't know what it what it means. But anyways, the um the only Asian American writer was called Korean, as in Korean dig the board. So they were just calling him calling this person Korean, I guess. So when a woman entered the writer's room carrying a binder, two sources said a male writer asked her what it was. She said it was the HR manual for the studio. And he responded, why don't you take off your top and tell us about it? There was apparently some discomfort around the show's cleaning staff using the bathroom in the lost offices, and there were jokes about putting up a whites-only sign. Finally, when Paranews lost departure, um, and when you, when you think about that one right there, like, fucking awful stupid thing to like to like say, obviously. But when you really get down to it, this seems like it's about race, but it, that's really about class, isn't it? At the end of the day, that's what that no, is. A, a large, a large part of racism is masking class war. Bullshit, yeah, you know, because right. that's why you know if they find some some ghetto kid, right? Some ghetto white mm -hmm. kid, they go, "He's speaking like a black person." No, man, he's, he's, you're talking lower class. Right? Yeah, that's what yeah, he's speaking like a poor yeah. person. Is what they really uh, right. mean to say, right. and then they like to make poor as as a, a synonym for in that instance black uh finally when uh Paranus lost departure comes up lindelof said according to multiple sources that the actor called me racist so i fired his ass everyone laughed when lindelof said that owusu breen recalled there was so much shit and so much racist shit and then laughter it was ugly owusu breen and um Sh shot picker Shapiker, I'm not, were assigned the episode in which um, Mr. Echo is killed off. They got feedback from Cuse on their episode that their episode was not normal. The showrunner, it seemed, had been thinking about how Mr. Echo should die. Carlton said something to the effect of, I want to hang him from the highest tree. God, if we could only cut his dick off and shove it down his throat. In any event, not long after the con that conversation, we were put in the casting room, and then we were fired, Obusu Breen said. She and her writing partner were told by the showrunners, Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse, you don't fit, she told me. An editor once made a minor suggestion. So, I mean, yeah, right there, that goes that goes in right there. You have a, there's a lot going on right there, a lot of problems going on right there, and that's probably, uh, you know, you got sex and gender going on. You got saying that you don't fit because they kind of want the boys room kind of uh, atmosphere and idea and stuff like that's, I mean, that's a, it's a complicated big one on that one right there that would need more analysis than we got time for in this thing. But that's, that's pretty big when they say you don't fit and who they're saying it to. And in the context that they're saying it as they fire that person, so um, an editor once once made a minor suggestion regarding a story, and according to a lost boy, I'll call Seamus or Seamus, uh, Lindelof made it clear her job would be in danger if she ever did it. Lindelof would tell people 
that if they're not miserable, then they're not working hard enough. And uh, that right there, like I like what he's saying right there, that is uh, very American. Like I was telling this to the guys before the show. Yeah. Like that's that's part of the Protestant work ethic right there. And that's what says that's how you have to be if you want to succeed. And if you're not miserable, if you're not fucking doing it, then you're not getting enough. And if you're a manager or an owner of a business and your employee's not, then you're not getting your money's worth. And and if you're and then if you're not, then you're not working hard enough. Yeah, and Ameri it, modern internet Americans would call this shit hustle culture. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. you're not hustling enough. Well, my dad. My dad worked harder than anyone I ever. I tweeted this last fucking night because this whole whole culture shit. I was like, my dad worked. Uh, he had me work a hundred hours a week. My dad was working more. Yeah, I was like eighteen, nineteen, right? My dad's forty two, forty three at the time. Right. Um, my dad died of a stroke at fifty nine. He never kept that work up. You know, work ethic lower than that. You know, like he didn't need to, but that's just how he was. You yeah, know, he didn't get any more wealthier from it. Lost his home in the fucking mortgage collapse as everyone else. You know, like mm -hmm. working more hours and working hard doesn't fucking get you wealthy. You know, like it just it's not it's not the key there. Some people did it, but that's like saying some people sat on the internet playing video games and became fucking wealthy too. That's not the fucking truth for everyone else. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, make make makes us her girlfriend speak Yiddish, and she could ask her. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, Howard had some issues. You know, I, I've heard that lot. You know, I don't want to get into Howard Stern, dude, but Howard yeah. Stern was bullied to no end and beat the shit out of you know inner city when he was a kid, and he yeah, went yeah. to therapy for that. So a lot of that stuff that he used to do on the show, which was the parts of the show that I didn't much like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, was him dealing with that bullshit trauma, you know, and so. He's not that person now. It hasn't been for quite the while. But yeah, Scott says, remember in private parts when Howard and his friend get yelled at for saying the N word? They were yeah. using the Yiddish, not Yiddish, Yiddish slur. slur. I okay, yeah. okay, that 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 makes sense now. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Now, now I follow. Um. So okay. Yeah. Anyways, uh, um, I, you know, we, we're in real trouble, Jason. If Carlton cues. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Rick and Morty guy get together, though, right? Like, hey, <laughs> what's that dude? Is <laughs> the Morty guy, the Rick and yeah. Morty guy, Rick and Morty guy. guy? Yeah, oh, which his fucking name? But those two—that's a gatekeeper and a key master. Well, We're all fucked. Like, like, well, no, I mean, I mean, but like, like that is that is like, like a, it's it's a there's like an interesting ethnography here when you get down to it between like when you get these groups of people together into these little tribes and they like are like a fraternity essentially and how people behave and what happens. And, you know, it's like social norms are clearly like going to be broken in those environments because that's what you're filling out. And that's what you are laughing about and exploring in rick and morty's instance it's like a comedy but then but then like like it says in this article but when you do go too far when you do offend people apologize and then amend their their behavior and then you have in these two egregious examples the the behavior is just completely like i'm the fucking boss suck my dick at the end of the day like that's that's the the thing there's never like a oh shit you know what you know i went too far you know what i mean 
you know, so sorry, you know, sorry, Meg, I, I, I made fun of your Yiddish girlfriend, you know, for speaking Yiddish or something, you know, like I shouldn't have fucking done that. That comes, comes off stupid. And then you just like say you're starting, you don't do it anymore. But in these examples in both of those writers rooms, that's not what happens. So um, Taylor, uh, Sue Taylor, a writer on Lost who, like most veterans I've talked to, was quick to point out that working on a show was intensely was an intensely collaborative effort due to its intense grind, that it is not uncommon for a number of writers to, to work together to get a script across the finish line. That's what happened with Ab Eterno. We had such a talented staff, Sue Taylor says, I am so grateful everything that everybody did, but my name and girl's name was not on the script. I did do a pass to stitch it all together and smooth things out. I wrote a bunch of scenes too, and I was really proud of the results. So like, yeah, in that, in that instance right there, I could be wrong, but from what I understand the DG or the WGA rules are, if she wrote 30%, she would get credit. And if they could say it wasn't 30%, then she wouldn't get, get, get credit. And then if I'm also going to guess that in this kind of work environment that yet this person was in, they probably weren't down to point that out and have it go to arbitration or something, right? I mean, that's probably not where they want it to be, um, considering that they were in the midst of their career at the time. So I'm going to guess that it that she just gets fucked over, you know, in this instance. And uh, if there's anything that good that comes from this book is that it people know Sue Taylor wrote on uh, Avaturna. I don't, I'm not sure how you say that. Is that how you say that? I'm not a fucking ab eterno. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. Port and lost episode. Um, that's why she was thunderstruck when in an anteroom in Takusa's office, she heard him on the phone call with Carbonell. In Sue Taylor's recollection, Q said to the actor, Oh yeah, I wrote that. I wrote most of that script. I mean, it was a, it was a flat out lie. Sue Taylor said, my jaw dropped. I just turned around and walked away. At one point, the Abiturno saga took a turn for the ridiculous. Cuse and Lindelof called Sue Taylor into the room, and she recalled that they were basically told how much we owed them for letting us have our names on that script, and that they implied it would probably be good if we got them a little present. So Sue Taylor went out and bought gifts for her bosses, and she can't recall what she got Lindelof, probably something Star Wars related, given his love of that franchise. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, a hundred percent. That's what got him fired. <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing out of stress, folks. You know. I know. I know. No, it's yeah. Lindelof's comments to the Burn It Down author in 2021. My level of fundamental experience as a manager and a boss. My role as someone who was supposed to model a climate of creative danger and risk-taking, but provide safety and comfort inside of the creative process. I failed in that endeavor. That's what I saw in the business around me. And I was like, okay, as long as there are one or two writers who don't look and think exactly like me, then I'm okay. I came to learn that was even worse. For those specific individuals, Forget about the ethics of the morality involved around that decision, but just look at the human effect of being the only woman or the only person of color and how you are treated and othered. I was a part of that a thousand percent. So like in the, in that statement right there, like he is, 
I mean, I, I'm I'm happy he's owning it in this in that moment right there. Like the but as it goes on, he kind of disowns it, kind of goes back and forth. It's it's a complicated, I'm sure, feeling to have about yourself, you know what I mean, in this instance. But like what he's I mean, what he is saying is that essentially this was the industry, I was a part of it. I'm one thousand percent as guilty as as the next person. And um you know, does that? Uh, I mean, I guess it's like I said. It's it's up to the people who worked with them to for to 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 forgive him in this instance if that was good enough or not. Not necessarily us, right? And does that sound fair? I don't know. Yeah. Um. In 2022, Lindelof said that he had no recollection of him saying he'd fire his ass regarding paranoia or any negative instances with editors, or that he threatened to fire anybody who had no recollection of Sue's and he has no recollection of Sue's comments either along with other accusations made at him. I'm telling you, I swear I have no recollection of those specific things. And that's not me saying they didn't happen. I'm just saying that it's literally baffling my brain that they did happen and that I bore witness to them or that I said them. So that's a, you know, that instance was like, on one hand, good job, I guess, and, and not just saying I didn't say it, but at the same time, uh, I know the internet and the world, and uh, they're just going to say you said it. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in terms of that, I mean, I guess he's. I think he sounds like he was, was being honest. He's not denying it, but he's not admitting it either. I can't remember every joke I make. You know, like yeah. You know, well, I mean. But I mean, yeah, saying I, I, I he'd fired his ass, you know, like like on that on th that one right there, I'm like, you know, I mean, that one's a complicated one too because you have you do have the racial component that leads to the firing, so you can't right. say that it that that it's not connected. But then on the flip side of it, he had an actor who stood up against him. It was seen as a moment of defiance. Him being a fucking frail fucking manager goes like, I'm going to fucking fire you over this. They fire him, but then he must express it to his new, to his underlings to restore order. That's how he sees it. And it's like, so it's, yeah, it's fucking, ugh, it doesn't, it's not nice, not good. Um, so it goes on to say, I kept a running list of words, sources used to describe the show's work atmosphere. A word cloud I shared with Lindelof and Cuse, along uh, among with adjectives that came up a lot: cruel, brutal, destructive, racist, sexist, bullying. Excuse me, uh, not 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 excuse me, but angry, angry, abusive, and hostile. It breaks my heart to hear it. It's deeply upsetting to know that there were people who had such bad experiences. Cuse wrote to me. I did not know people were feeling that way. No one ever complained to me, nor am I aware that anybody complained to ABC Studios. I wish I had known. I would have done what I could to make changes. After I read the word cloud to Lindelof, he was silent for about a minute. He finally answered, referring to his behavior in the present. The way that I conduct myself and the way that I treat other humans who I am responsible for as and a manager of is a byproduct of the mistakes that were made. I have significantly evolved and grown, and it shouldn't have it shouldn't have had come at the cost of trauma of people that I hurt on lost. Which that part is not 
the worst answer he could have given, I think. But towards the end of that well, second conversation, yeah, go ahead. What what do what do you what do you, I'm not saying you, but yeah, yeah. What does the audience want him to say? Like that's about what you would want him to say, right? Like how has he ran a showroom since then? You know, and I get I got a feeling that that's not how the showroom. Right, the, the, the writer's room for fucking Watchmen or The Last of Us was run, you know? So, like, I gotta yeah. imagine that that was a change that was made. You well, know? well, th that right there, it, I mean, that if that is, in fact, true, if this book doesn't go on into the same things happening during Watchmen, then then it, that says that it he's he's sincere. I would think. But at the same time, um, you know, the, the book's not out yet. Only this snippet, which is not kind to him at all. And maybe it shouldn't be. But towards the end of the second conversation, Fair. Lindelof began speculating about what would happen to his career as a result of this book. He sounded as demoralized as I felt. It's not for me to say what kind of person I am, he said. But I will say this. I would trade every person who told you that I was talented. I would rather they said I was untalented but decent rather than a talented monster. So once again, right there, like, yeah, yeah. At, at the at the end of the article, there's there's a um, I don't know if I still have it up right here. At the at the oh no no no, no please don't reload. Okay. Um, at the very end of it, so there's a, a, a piece actually I want to read from the author because it's, I think, pretty powerful. Okay. That is a false binary. People can be talented and decent. Lindelof's framing is one I encounter a lot, and it belies, or at least hints at, the fundamental belief that if you're a genius, you're more or less required to be a monster. But at its heart, and at its best, it has a palpable beating heart. Loss tries to say that none of us have to be defined by our past. We're at the beginning of the entertainment industry shift to better models and to make the necessary changes a lot of people and to make it and to make the necessary changes a lot of people must work hard on a number of fronts for a long time. So it's like, you know, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, that's, that's, that's really kind of hard to argue with, you know? And it's like, and it's weird or it's a difficult kind of, uh, it's a difficult article to read. And I mean, like from an empathetic, empathetic point of view, because you've had these, these people that had just a terrible fucking life under that work regime, you know? And then, and then, so you don't want to give as much fucking sympathy to, to fucking Lindelof in this, you know what I mean? In this one. And then at the same time, you got Lindelof uh, essentially going, I'm sorry. And I, you know, I've done better and I'm doing better. I'm trying to be better and that kind of thing. And you're like, yeah, I mean, what else do you, what else, like, what else do you want him to do? What else can he do but go fucking hang himself in his closet? You know, like, 
that's that's what's kind of fucked up about like that aspect of it but then you can't know somebody's heart you can't know if he's fucking if he gives a shit is he just fucking doing cocaine like a fucking hollywood producer being like oh i'm sorry <laughs> you know and having a good ass fucking time but um yeah it's a so you know i i i try not to be super judgy about the stuff that's that's gray the stuff that's on on clear and uh you know hopefully if he's a good dude and if that's true you know his friends um aren't afraid of this article and say yeah i worked with him on watchman you know and um i worked with him on whatever the, whatever the thing was and he's and he's he is good you know or he is a, a nice a nice guy i don't yeah and and chillins in the chilling in the basement says that Q's guy appears to be a real shitty human being. It, it doesn't. Yeah. I don't know a lot about him and I haven't, I've seen more. I, I remember back in the day during the lost times seeing Q's speak, but it more since then I I've, I've seen Lindelof dozens of times speaking in interviews and stuff like that. And like, you know, it doesn't strike me as a piece of shit for, for like, well, you know, I'm trying to be as fair to him as as possible because you know hit pieces exist people do try to you know it's a it's a it's a thing and uh for for various reasons but at the same time like you know he did this is sort of i guess i don't know a reckoning sounds like a little bit too much like an like an andor fucking like thing you know but it's like i mean these things happen and there's so there yeah, does appear to be like a let's be on. yeah yeah i mean Amy Pascal and Scott Rudin had far worse shit in their emails. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, you know, and they were in charge of hiring and firing too. And then they're still working. So I don't, I don't know, you know, like at least fucking you got dudes coming out there at least I guess saying, you know, like, yeah, I admit the fucking writer's room was a fucking nightmare. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like whether I specifically said this or that, I don't recall, but it, I've done everything I could to not relive that experience twice, and I feel bad for anyone who suffered under it. Yeah, you know. That being said, these fucking actors they suffered under it, man, and it might still affect their career. There's there's shit yeah. that I went through myself that you know, ten, twelve years ago that I'm still having to get out from under, you know, mm -hmm. because if one vindictive company decides that they fucking want to make an example out of you, yeah. you know, then they're gonna, you know, and there is no like. What do you call it? Uh, there is no uh, consistency to that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's that's where you know, like in terms of like the uh, Star Wars side of this, this book. I mean, this is in the sample chapter from Vanity Fair. You could read the whole thing on Vanity Fair yourself if you want to. You know, read it with nuance. And if I fumbled any names, I apologize. That the names are are sometimes complicated uh, for me. But in the um, like article or like the, the books books description, I should say, it says that Lucasfilm comes up in this. So therefore, Lucasfilm is aware of the book because they would have been asked to go on the record. People at Lucasfilm are likely sources for that stuff off the record, I would assume, because um, of NDAs and stuff like that. And uh, so, so that's that they knew they likely knew this was coming um a lot of the times depending on the level of ethics at play a, 
a sample of the chapter that you appear in and what they're saying about you will be given. Will, they will let you see it. Not, not all the time, but a, a highly ethical one may. And I'm going to throw it out there that with like the litigious nature or the reputation there of, of Disney in this instance, Lucasfilm, um, most likely that happened. And they were like, you could counter this or, or this is it, you know? So most likely they were, they were well aware, like this book is most likely not a mystery to Lucasfilm and Disney and the participants in it. In this instance, um, he's, you know, Lindelof is actually like fucking in the uh, participant and in an interviewee of the book. And uh, so I kind of do have a hard time imagining this did not come into play with Lindelof exiting Star Wars and the ways he that the, the ways he exited it and left and the way that it went down were didn't make sense to me and they still don't and like the script is bad is it bad like i ray is old but they that wouldn't have come out of nowhere they would have agreed to do old ray if that was yeah ever that wasn't true. a surprise today that wasn't a surprise surprise. yeah that was like literally like like that's, they that's why you commissioned they talked it out yeah you yeah know? and then we but then we and and, and I, I still don't buy that one in that rumor just saying just don't so i don't just don't buy it but um you have that and then you you know um you have uh was it slider said that which slider's very good at scoops so i'm not taking that from him or saying he's wrong either he didn't read um, it though he it's what he was told yeah 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 but but also one. he yeah. he's he made it appear that there was friction with Obey Chinoy. And he made it seem like it was weird that she was hired to be director without his consent. And like that he and once again, which I also found to be weird. If it was if it's true, I find it weird because he's not an executive producer. I don't even think he's a producer on it or was. I don't think he was. So there's right. there's there's definitely things about that that to me like are like what you know and, and and maybe that's exactly what happened and and if that is exactly what happened it might kind of play into a little bit of what's going on 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 in this stuff and it might say that things didn't get better it might say that it, that we're in the same exact place as as back then but just it's just been reconfigured and and it and when you get down to it like when you have um, like that lost writer's room and what's going on there, like it's the, the, the actions are definitely racist. They are definitely, they definitely are rooted in racism, but ultimately a lot of it is about power. It's about control in that social environment. And in that instance, like you, you kind of get the impression racism was used to reinforce that power and that use of, of that power. If that's ingrained in Lindelof, if that's like at his very being, the guy that he is, he doesn't necessarily pop over to Lucasfilm and then in as the self-actualized guy, but, but we don't, but we also don't know that. So we can't, you can't go around going that Lindelof's a real fucking racist douche. You know what I mean? Like, 
we have no idea. It, it's like I said, you can't know somebody's heart. That's what makes this so complicated. And, um, but also with this right here coming, uh, I would imagine before, you know, as there, this is unfolding. Well, if he moves to I, Florida and joins and joins Gina no. Carano for the, you know what I mean? Right. Starts writing <laughs> Daily Wire for movies. The, for the, the Knights of the Space Rangers or whatever fucking shit. Is, you know Daily what I mean? Wire. Then, then we'll really know what's in his heart. <laughs> yeah. 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 But. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah. I, I could. But I mean, because it sounded to me like the choice to move on from Lindelof was made before he even turned that shit in and when they had a new writer that fast it sounded like there was all, something had already happened and I, I i think this is likely it um that's all conjecture though on our part you know what i mean Re remember this in your brains you know in three years when people ask remember that star wars movie that never fucking happened because of the writer strike that went on for for 24 months <laughs> and they never made a movie and for five more years uh, remember that one and uh remember in your brains that it like this is conjecture we don't know that this is why that happened at this point but if it is probably only a matter of time before we we get a more conclusive answer about about that you know i would think anyways and uh but you know it, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting scenario that that we're that we're in here with all of this with all of these films and stuff like that. I still don't really, I still don't think if this writer strike goes on for like much longer that we're going to see one of these, you know, all three of those films. I think one's going to fall off and I think it's debatable um, whether it's like Mangold's movie that falls off first. Uh, the Ray one seems like a fucking promise at this point. And it seems like one that would eventually happen the Filoni one is the one where I could see it being like pushed back really far if they are requiring two or three seasons, two, two or three seasons of a TV show. Yeah, you're but gonna, that's you're the, gonna break his heart. That's the you difference between that's that's the difference. Shove that Ahsoka stuff in Mando season four, right? They're like, no. hey. You know, well, you wanted it, a B story, you get a B story, bitch. You know, like, all right, thanks. like, like I said, it it really depends. Like, like we have these assumptions about what that movie, what that movie's intentions are, and and I think the intent we're probably right about them, and you might, in that could be true, but at the same time, it, you know, it if the movie's whole structure is predicated upon the star wars avengers having already been formed and the movie begins with star wars avengers assemble um you can't do that if you have to do a movie about them fucking forming it and that that's what the seasons may be doing that might be the work that goes on in multiple shows or you know what i mean like in one show um mando mando knows thrawn's there and it's a big deal and then you know what i mean and he and then ahsoka and him recruit each other to form this thing and then we get the the other season where you know that's when so and so joins and like it forms up like it might it, that could be something that was going to happen in the tv shows and then now it would might have to go in the first act of the film and uh be a truncated real you know fast thing and i i don't know i mean like, like i said and that's just conjecture on my part about what the issue the kind of issues that could arise 
if they were planning on there being two or three seasons of a show before that movie comes out and that show can't happen. And, um, you know, Bespin, I was hoping he would get to come back, but you know, I get them off the show cause, um, you know, I'm a fair guy. And, uh, but like, you know, he was talking to me last night and he was like, I think they will just half the seasons up. Like Bespin thinks we'll get like, and or season two, part one and then Andor season two part two if you know worst comes to worst and and like that's how they may spread the content around for the four seasons that they have of tv shows right now and you know that's that's completely i think a model that it that will be considered like i think that's very very likely but i also kind of think um with on the star wars front there's going to be a fucking if this goes on for like for like a year. There's going to end up being a huge drought of Star Wars uh, on both film and television, and then we're going to see the visual effects suffer really, really, really uh, heavily and stuff like that. And um, but you know, yeah. But I, anyways, uh, yeah, you know, th- this whole thing is just like, man, you don't you don't want to be somebody who's like, oh man, you know, I am a uh, gonna prop up uh you know racism and sexism and 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 good old boy behavior like you don't want to do that and you also don't want to be somebody who goes out with the pitchforks the second somebody says something because it makes you less of a shit bag than you are because you stand up for justice you're 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 out there you are the avengers of of hollywood when you're not it just just brings cruelty to the world so it's like a so it's it's a really 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 hard thing, and uh, I think kind of until you know you have a some kind of better dialogue that goes on between that industry and you know the the people in it. You know I don't know know how how, how you fucking fix that, and especially when man people in Hollywood like there's some really nice people. There really is. There's some like really 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 cool nice people, but also like the fucking generic stereotypical cocaine brain addled fucking monster that you would see like running a boardroom and Robocop is 100% there. Like that's real. And I mean, Courtney love was the one who uh, first time I ever heard this was from Courtney love. And she was like, there's no such thing as a fucking producer that doesn't have a Coke habit. And if you've ever known anybody with a Coke habit or who does cocaine, they're all monsters. They're all assholes. I've never met a sweetheart on cocaine in my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not the way that's not the way. And that industry is fueled on on working insane hours, very long and impossible scenarios. And um, that's why it's you know it's a it's a component of it. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, it was also a component of that production too, and that writers room. And that's why we should give that. it all to the AI overlords to do, right? The AI overlords will not, they'll not have any racist jokes. They're computers. They can work whenever, right? <laughs> you yeah. can see the arguments coming now, right? Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that that's that's the, I mean, like the argument that's going on with the writers right now, I, I have to go pretty soon. I have to get my daughter from school. Um, but um the the argument is that the AI stuff isn't fucking. There's no intelligence there. 
It's just right. pulling it's from just other cool. writers' works and then sampling it. Look, I just want to examine, but this is be, this is why it's called stable diffusion, right? What's diffuse mm -hmm. is to break things apart, and all they did, man, was they taught a fucking computer algorithm to say, "Hey, here's a picture of an apple. Here's a description of an apple. Whatever. Here's a book about an apple," and then they broke that up. Said, "Now, now take that image, break it up into a billion pieces, and keep just keep doing that." And then when I got really good at doing that, they said, now, if I type in the word Apple, take a billion fucking little things and bring them together to create an image of an Apple. Yeah. It's stabilizing the diffusion. That's the yeah. reason why it's called that. And right. like, this is not, and it's doing the same thing with words. So when, say, when mm -hmm. you say, give me a script about Star Wars, it's taking all these little chunks of stuff and then recombining them to give you like a Star Wars and the semblance of something that's Star Wars. I, I saw a, um, a lawyer who used chat GPT to uh, write something for a judge and it just started making stuff up and he's in big trouble now. <laughs> um, Stephen Murphy says someone mentioned recently that they had issues during rebels because it was non-union. A writer talked about how they'd break two episodes in a day and then be sent home to script it, which would lead to story problems and they didn't have any any help or pay yeah i don't i don't know um exactly like a lot about that aspect of it and i don't you know you know i don't know how like it could have been done without like the the wga considering that it was disney so that one right there i'm like a little bit like hmm about it. i i haven't looked into that but if you if you send if you come across it again send it my way Steve, because i wouldn't mind looking at it but um, I, I know it seemed like there was something that happened between like one team and Greg Weissman and then like the other, maybe Ken Berg. I don't know. I, I can't remember exactly how it went, but we did see like Greg Weissman like leave. And then, and I, and, and I, and I remember hearing that and then he left and I was like, oh, maybe that, maybe that was true, but I don't know Greg and uh, he's never told me anything. So so I'm not sure exactly like what the, you know, wh where the truth lies in that. And if that has anything to do with that. It's like, Oh no, you're not Lindelof and me. It was no, no. do with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every single That's day we would come words. in and Greg Weissman would say, we don't serve their kind here, but oh. Oh, no. Um, uh, how do you, what do you do when you use racist jokes from the movie you're writing, <laughs> right? You know what I mean. On other, what do you, what, what, what do you, what do you call that, dude? Yeah. Like, damn, yeah. dude, we're giving, we're giving them ideas. I don't like it. I don't like it. By the way, uh, Royal. Okay, this kind, of, this is kind of funny because, uh, not it's not funny, but I was like, I was telling my daughter last night when we were eating dinner. I was talking about how Mark Hamill had used his celebrity status to raise a lot of drones for Ukraine. And I was like, so like, that's an example of somebody using their fame for, for something that they believe to be a very good idea. And she's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is nice. You know, I was like, yeah, he doesn't have to do that. He could just, you know, be rich and whatever, but he wants to, he wants to help. And he, he thought what Russia was doing was, was unfair. And I'm all, and I think Russia messing with the U S elections fucking pissed Hamill off, you know? And I think he, he saw that. He's like, fuck these guys. And then he decided to do something. I was like, yeah, good for him. So anyways, though, um, then we wake up today and um, I see Mark, I see uh, Ukraine 
hit Moscow with drones like last night. <laughs> and Luke and the force. <laughs> and I see Mark Hamill is in that movie The Machine. About right. that shows the Russians kind of in a kind of comical moronic light. Um uh and uh, I'm like, oh man, they're gonna kill Mark Hamill, dude. Like Mark Hamill, he's gonna get he's gonna get fucking Hutton is gonna go after Hamill. And when that happens, that's when we're like, that's when it's World War Three. Mark because of Mark Hamill. <laughs> um, the Royal Fino says, uh, do you believe Mark Hamill is done with Star Wars? Or is he just playing it safe and lowering people's expectations for Luke so they can surprise us? I think the story is overblown. Yeah, I don't believe he's done with Luke at all. If there's a fun opportunity for him to do something for Luke. And when those movies are coming, when they're on the horizon, yeah, well, th that's when you say, th but that's when you say you're done. Right. Right. Money. What's he supposed to say? Yeah, I got, I'm going to be in a couple movies, but I'll wonder what they'll be. Wink, wink. wink. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. No, no, no. But Luke Skywalker, but, the character, won't appear in the Mandoverse movie. You got another thing coming. Yeah. Right. And they'll want Mark Hamill to help with that. And um, the only thing I think that would actually matter is if Mark Hamill decided to actually retire and said, you know, I'm done. No, no, you know what? I'm just staying home with Mary Lou and listening to the Beatles and smoking my vape. Fuck all of you. That's my life now. If when that time comes, then, then then that's probably what will happen. But I don't think he's there yet. And uh, I think that's what you say when you're on the eve of making new Star Wars films with Luke Skywalker in them. And when you want him involved and you want to seemingly have his blessing and cooperation and participation in that depiction of Luke Skywalker, I think he's doing the right thing for, for Mark Hamill. And same thing with when Finn says he won't do it or when John Boyga says he won't play Finn, I should say. Uh, same thing with that. Same thing with all of them. It's This is just basic negotiation tactics. And and, and also, plus, and, if, and if it's already... Locked and, mm -hmm. But if he was locked and signed, what's he supposed to say? And if yes. he's locked and signed, then yeah, he, he ends up in a place where he just goes like, we'll see what happens or no, you know. But uh, yeah, so uh, in my opinion, he's saying a whole bunch of nothing. When he says that that whole thing, um, all of that stuff. And hey, as a true, how's it going, dude? Uh, we need to hang out with that's true. We haven't seen him in a while. As a true, I, I got a, a hundred percent on Kobo last night and a hundred percent on Coruscant last night. I'm I'm almost there. Um, as a true says, headlines, articles, and people trusting what actors say is annoying. Every actor denies everything, and then a week later it's confirmed, a confirmed lie. Yeah, like remember when I was like yeah, he's playing Thrawn, and then like he's like, nah, I'm not Thrawn. Like, it does happen sometimes. Not all the time. Sometimes they're like, nah, I'm not playing that person, and it's true, but yeah. But of course, he can't say anything. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, yeah, and then um, Jonesy, thank you for pulling this up. Jonesy says, lawyer in front of the judge with ChatGPT, my client is innocent of the basis that he is actually a frog living in Gatlinburg with John Mayer and thus cannot be held <laughs> responsible for his actions. <laughs> but uh, I, I got I got to go, guys. I got to go. I have to go rescue Penny, as you as as Dale puts it. Yeah, I got to go get her from school. I, I took Luke to the doctor today. He's been he's been sick and no no pneumonia or any of that. But they're just like there's just a really bad virus that's going around and uh, it's getting kids and giving them a fever for like five days so that's been my my reality but i gotta I have to go, 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 go get penny right now before she tries is to walk pringles? From school. it's not pringles. It pringles 
Well, if it was Pringles, you get a fever. Be... Oh shit! You get a fever for the flavor. All right, I'm gonna go, Rob, because <laughs> once you once you pop, you can't stop. I'll see everybody later. Bye, everybody.